Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles In the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 72 of In the Marbles with Southern Ethan. You can call me Karen because my wife fixed me a pumpkin spice latte before she walked out the door and it's like the best thing I've ever had in my life. And with me tonight is Sleepy-Eyed Ethan. What's going on, man? Uh- <laughs> oh man i'll tell you what man that is i that popped me that <laughs> sleepy i ethan you know i was just sitting here thinking like man why don't i have a nickname you know you have soda g you do the recorder you, everybody loves soda but ethan gets no love i don't get no nickname but you know what sleepy i ethan I'll run with it every day. <laughs> I I, just, I saw your Twitter post today, and I was like, "That's that would be funny." Just to call him that right off the top of my, just right off the top of the show. Oh, that's awesome! But <laughs> and it's no lie about the pumpkin spice latte. We got all those skinny skinny mixes. I posted a picture of it on there on our uh, Twitter account at In the Marbles Pod. I posted a picture of them all, and it's all it's like four or five different versions of pumpkin spice in different forms, like. Pumpkin caramel, pumpkin spice, pumpkin uh, white chocolate, pumpkin spice, and there's um, pecan waffle pumpkin, and there's also vanilla pumpkin. So yeah, she's got to where she makes these lattes before she goes out to work, and I told her make me one tonight, and she tried the pumpkin mixes for the first time making them. Man, it's better than Starbucks. Oh really? It's outstanding. So. Yeah, you know, I, I hear we got a lot of uh, entries into the basic, the basic. Uh, well, you, I don't know what to call ourselves. Basic boys, basic boys. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what to call ourselves. I feel like everybody forgot that when you were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. I was also in that. I love pumpkin spice <laughs> stuff. And just yesterday, I was dragging at work, man. Like I just couldn't. You know, I mean, I, obviously I was awake, but I was slow and I was grouchy. And I uh, had a couple slices of pumpkin spice cake and that sugar, baby. My God, it just ran through my veins, man. It was good. It was a good pick me up. I love a good um, pumpkin spice and cream cheese cake. Mm. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. When when oh. the frosting, like, most of them don't have frosting on the outside of the cake, but yeah. they have layers of cream cheese icing in the middle of it with yes. the pumpkin spice flavored cake yes. and usually a glaze on top sometimes sometimes not but 
it makes it uh taste like a pumpkin cheesecake cake. Yeah, that that's exactly sense. yeah, that's exactly what it was. But uh, it wasn't glazed; it was just powdered sugar on top. And mm. my God, it just it hit the spot. And now all the dang little debbies are coming out. Where you got the little jack o' lanterns? That's one of my favorite ones of all time. And those pumpkin Swiss rolls, just yes. yeah, yep. All that stuff's coming out that I can't eat. <laughs> yeah, I sure can though. My goodness. <laughs> uh, I think we decided we're gonna splurge and get a box each uh and take it with us on the cruise because we are not keto on the cruise <laughs> we're gonna take in about four weeks so yeah awesome <laughs> three weeks i think now three weeks i'll be in mexico man i know isn't that wild i know oh so cool uh well, we got a lot going on today we do it's a it's a should big we, episode should we finish our introduction so uh, it's fine everybody knows who we are Okay, cool. I didn't want to do them either. You believe them on social media? <laughs> uh, I, I threw out the podcast Twitter, so it's fine. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. We don't matter individually. It's the show. Oh, no way. <laughs> so first things first, I just want to say, what about that dang Ryan Priest wreck? My goodness. Uh, you know... Uh, really fast before we start getting really into that, I want to shout out uh, uh, Tales from the Estate with Drew and Caitlin because they were talking about it, and I I don't know why I listened to their episode yesterday, and when they were talking about it, it gave me goosebumps because I was so excited that they, and, and I'm sure like it's a common sense thing, right? Like you see that wreck, even if you're not a NASCAR fan, you can understand and appreciate the violent, mm-hmm. uh, violent violence of that wreck and uh i think they they talked about it pretty well um man it was it was horrific i mean i can't repeat on this podcast of what i was saying in the moment it was it it was o-f-o-f-o-f and i'm not talking about only fans i'm talking about something else and it was like i mean as it was happening i jessica was actually sitting right next to me watching it and i said watch out watch this and then i saw the spin and then I saw it take off like it was a paper airplane. And I have, oof, it was scary. Um, if, I, if you hear all this mess around me, like some, just a lot of clutter around me, it's my dog playing with a toy. So just ignore that. Um, <clears throat> it looked like something, I sent you a video of it. Yeah. It looked like something out of Cars 3. Yeah. And for anybody that thinks, you know, that, Okay, you know me, I've talked about it on the show before. I love the Cars movies. Yes. Right? Well, one and two. I mean, one and three. I don't like two. Two, you can just throw in a river somewhere. But one and three are actual stories about racing in this NASCAR-style series. And that crash that Lightning McQueen had in Cars 3, it it is almost like frame for frame exactly the way that Ryan Priestwick went out. Yeah. I mean, the way that he rolled so the, the big that I have seen somebody roll that fast before. Yeah. Um, it happened a long time ago. Now, actually, I didn't see it because I wasn't born yet, but it was in the 60s. I think it was at Talladega. And I forget the guy's name, but he come. It's nobody famous. Nobody you would know off the top of your head. He spun out and come down the banking. And when he hit the uh, the bank, I think it was in turn two, 
when he hit the bank and the flat, the car hooked, and it rolled 18 times that fast. Like, you know, like if you weren't strapped in, you were flying out of the car fast, like kind of like Ryan Priest did. Yeah. You know, and he was actually okay. He did not die from that in the 60s rolling that fast. I mean, or I guess it'd be the 70s to Talladega, but you know what I mean? He just, the fact that he was in one of these big steel body chargers or something like that, whatever he was in, uh, Torino charger, I can't remember. And he rolled that fast 18 times. He rolled as fast as Ryan Priest did when he rolled those four or five times in the air without touching the ground. That's what, looking at that wreck, that's what made it look so violent because he didn't really have any hard slams into the ground. It was the fact that he spun so much, you know, like you could feel the uh, G forces he was going under just by watching it because it's hard to, yeah, it looks like a toy car. It looks like a cartoon that I brought up It's beat for beat. What that cartoon crash was that came out seven years ago now. Yeah something like that six seven years ago it's beat for beat that crash yeah but you don't think there's actually a person in there and he's flying all over the place in this car i mean i mean he's not like banging into everything but he kind of is too because these seatbelts they're tight but they give you know there is some stretch to them that's just that's how it is things flex and i can't imagine how many times maybe his helmet hit the bar next to him or his you know, his legs slammed into the roll bars beside him or, or whatever. I can't imagine how many times that happened inside that car with him spinning as much as it did. And on top of that, the roof hatch flew open. Yeah. And the window net came down. I thought the windshield broke as well. It, it probably did. But I mean, I wouldn't I, w- I don't I wouldn't doubt that as much. But right there by the driver's head in two places, that's scary. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's that's, I mean, I understand it, you know, like, uh, yeah, we haven't seen one this violent in a long time. Oh, it, it reminded me. There's three crashes. It reminded me of, um, really two, I guess Davy Allison's Pocono wreck. Yes. Because he spun fast. Yeah. Kind of like the same way. He just didn't get in the air, but he spun real, real fast. And Rusty Wallace, he got the air. Yes, Talladega. Uh, no, I'm thinking Daytona. Like oh. Talladega, he had a violent wreck, but he didn't. I don't know. He did. He got the air at initially, but I don't know something about that wreck at Talladega. It seemed like it was all like it, it was one solid piece of momentum, and then it stopped. But his wreck at Daytona, it was more like this one here, where he flipped, and then all of a sudden it dug, and he flipped even higher, and then he flipped another separate way. Again, you know, like he had the wreck almost had like three different parts to it, you know, with the way he was flipping and stuff. Like he had that really high in the air fast roll, and then he had some uh lower to the ground fast rolls, and then it was the initial blow over and the, the flip backwards and then the flip forwards. So I don't know, you kind of like I feel like that was more Rusty Wallace at Daytona than it was at Talladega. That's just me personally. I don't know. Yeah, I I must get those two uh, mixed up all the time because I thought Talladega was the one that he was like barrel rolling. Well, yeah, Talladega he barrel rolled, but at okay. Daytona he was he was higher in the air. At Daytona, 
like the Daytona one happened on the back straightaway and the Talladega one happened on the last lap coming to the checker flag. And that's the one that he finished sixth up in the air. Oh, okay. I think it was six, gotcha. something like that. Earnhardt wrecked him. That's all I know. Um, yeah, that was, but see how long ago that was. And those cars back then, they disintegrated. Yeah. There was nothing but roll cages when that, when that, those crashes were done, you know, and Ryan priest, that car held together. I don't know if that's a good thing that the car was completely together like that because I mean, you, you look at the crash and you're like, Oh, okay. The car is actually all in one piece. It wasn't that bad. No, that just means that the car didn't dissipate any energy. You know, like if the car comes apart, energy is going along with that. You know, pieces are flying off. That's energy being taken out of the car, out of the driver. But if the car stays in one piece, a lot of that energy in the crash is staying with the driver. And yeah, I don't know which is better. I mean, you kind of want your cage. The cage is fine. The cage stays the cage most of the time anyway. But you kind of want pieces to shed a little bit, I would think. But I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't have the degrees to handle any kind of info like that. So I don't know. They, they, I guess they think they know what they're doing. So, well, I mean, Ryan Priest wasn't the only one that took a really gnarly mm-hmm. hit. Ryan Blaney did as well. I mean, which looked very, uh, very similar to a, a wreck at the exact same racetrack just a couple 20 years oh, ago. Oh, it was worse. You know, it was, oh, it was way goodness. worse than Earnhardt's wreck. My goodness. Earnhardt, he spun down and he come up the track and was uh, hit by Schrader that turned him into that angle. I think the telemetry yeah. said he hit at 172, something like that. Oh, jeez. Blaney was running full speed and turned immediately into the wall. There was no scrubbing off speed with Blaney. He, he probably yeah. hit at 180, 185. Oh, easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. The only scrubbing off of speed would have been that split second, that half a second where he was sideways on the track. That's the only yeah. scrubbing speed right there. Him coming up the hill, oh. you know. Um, but with the invention of, I mean, granted, last year that wreck probably would have hurt him bad. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It, earlier this year, it probably would have hurt him bad because they didn't even have those new clips in earlier this year. <clears throat> yeah. I think those didn't come around till like what 10, 15 races in. Uh, yeah, it was uh, actually, it was, who was it? Uh, it was Ryan Priest that <laughs> T-boned, uh, was it Larson? L- Larson, yes. Larson, yeah. So, I mean, Ryan Priest is just NASCAR's test dummy, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So, my goodness. Um, Yeah, the Blaney wreck shouldn't be overlooked because that dude didn't get a scratch on him. Yeah. So he hit that safer barrier and it gave it like a lot of feet. Like it gave a couple of feet deep when that car hit and that dissipated energy. Then the new front clip dissipated energy. And then he's got the head and neck restraint system. Now that dissipated energy, all this stuff helped in a situation where Dale Earnhardt had the open face helmet, no neck restraint, no soft walls, a concrete barrier. Right. And yeah, the car was actually designed pretty well as far as taking impacts, you know, because they they were back then. I mean, cars were designed pretty good up until I, I think 
starting about the mid nineties, I think cars were designed pretty decently for taking impacts, but it's just the fact that you're taking impacts in the straight concrete with no head and neck restraints. Yes. And they don't do that anymore. So Ryan Blaney's racing this week. And by the way, so is Ryan priest. Yeah. Ryan priest just announced today that he's going to come. He's going to be competing at Darlington this weekend. So unreal just, and you know, I think a lot of it should, we shouldn't, overlook the um oh my gosh what i have so, uh, okay i'm gonna peel the curtain back <laughs> i have so much stuff going on right now like as soon as we started recording the little girl next door came and started ringing our doorbell i don't know if you heard that or not i heard something Wait, you, yeah so i mean my I, dog's throwing junk all over the maroon behind me so it's just <laughs> It is what it is. It's going to be a chaotic podcast tonight. It's just fine. It's going to have to be. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how people, like, if you ring someone's doorbell, like, just ring it once. She's over here like, ring, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, and now their dogs are barking. So this is just going to be, this is just how it's going to be this you week. You still have a doorbell? Um, God, that's so, like, I do, 90s. Yeah. Well, not only is it a doorbell, <laughs> it's not like a loud doorbell. It's uh, one of those really old fashioned doorbells where like you push the button on the outside and it just hits like a, it's like a wrestling ring bell. It like pulls the lever back and then oh. it hits the little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like if I'm in the other room and somebody's <laughs> ringing the doorbell, I don't hear it. Like it's so faint. So that's why I was like, okay, you don't have to hit it six times, but I'm sure nobody heard you anyways. Uh, but my dog did. Now my <laughs> Apollo is just all over the place. Anyways, going back to the the topic, like uh, NASCAR, you know, should get a, a round of applause for all the safety innovations that they have made just this season alone. Uh, even, you know, obviously going back to 2001 with the travesty at the Daytona 500, like, I mean, my goodness, you know, th- if this wreck if we were racing the 2001 style car or even last last season's car this past weekend i think there's two people that could have been seriously hurt or possibly even worse and you know with the week that we've already had with pro wrestling it would have just been yeah you know horrible we'll we'll talk about that before we get out of here with the wrestling stuff. yeah for sure um <clears throat> cuz all that kind of happened after we recorded last week yeah. Uh, let's see. What else with Daytona? Um, we have our playoff drivers. Yes. And I was right. Chase Elliott didn't make it. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> you know what? Hang on really fast. Hey, Jessica. Hey, real fast. I just want to let you know I was wrong <laughs> in NASCAR, not with anything else because I'm right about everything. So, okay. You're dismissed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> No, the first time in my entire life I have ever been wrong about anything. And it was this. I I seriously thought Hendrick Motorsports was going to bring a piece for the nine team to work with. And they almost did uh, at, what is it, uh, Indianapolis, right? Even Daytona, didn't they finish third or fourth? This past weekend? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I think they were right behind Brad. Oh, interesting. I didn't even, I didn't even, I, I listen, the last, I would say the last three laps of that race, I was hyperventilating because I thought I was going to get double points and I was really excited, but yeah, nope, I sure didn't. <laughs> well, my driver, he decided that it was too much racing up front for him. So he peeled off and said, it's too much for me. I'm going to sit in the back. 
while my favorite driver was leading three packs of cars by himself. You know, Ross Chastain was literally leading three packs of three lines behind him all by himself. He was literally blocking three lines. And Hamlin yeah. said, oh, it's too much racing. I got to go to the back. I can't handle it. It's too much. You, you want to see why I don't like Hamlin and why I like Ross Chastain? <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally when he said that, Chastain was leading. But he got back there, and then didn't he do something stupid like speed on pit road or something dumb? And he got some kind of penalty, didn't he? Like a drive-through? Yeah. And that that's that was it. That's another 10-point day for me. Or I guess 20 with double points. That's like yeah. three or four in a row. What? Well, I am like, I have it. what, 15? In my last? Uh, no, you're 13, 13th, actually. Right? And I was like so- fourth <laughs> three weeks ago. You've honestly, this is all kind of stemmed all the way back to New Hampshire. So from New Hampshire, you finished 29th, 21st, 21st, 11th, 36th, 36th, 26th. Are you laughing at this? Uh, no, 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 I'm not laughing at that. I'm just, I mean, it's just facts, bro. Like, it's okay. And who am I picking? Here's... It isn't like I'm picking like Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace. I'm not picking these guys. So from New Hampshire, for me, it's been 29th, 3rd, 10th, 14th, 10th, 32nd, 2nd. So, I mean, it's hit or complete miss for me. <laughs> Mine's just so. miss. All in general. I think I had one top <laughs> yeah. 15 out of all those you said. Yeah. Uh, 11th. See, I can't even say top 10. <laughs> yeah. So, yikes. Man, oh, man. Your last top 10 came... Uh, Race number 19, Atlanta, you finished ninth. <laughs> and then the week before that was fourth, third, fifth. I had a good little run there third. for a minute. For about four weeks, I'd say five weeks, you had a nice little run. Mm. And then it came crashing down like Hulk Hogan's theme song. I got to win like all 10 of these playoff races now. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I have a lot of Larson. I have a lot of William Byron. I have a lot of Kyle Busch. I don't know if I'm ever going to pick any of those people. Um. I have some good picks. The only one I can't pick is Hamlin. Thank goodness. You can just crazy me. I'm looking at stats saying Hamlin has the most super speedway points of all of them. You know, you know, like in the last three or four races, Hamlin is the super speedway guy. He's got the most laps led or not about points, but he has like the most laps led and the best finishes. I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to be the one I pick. Nope. Yeah. Just if I pick him, nope. I guess Hamlin ain't got yeah. that stat no more. So really interesting uh, before we go into like the fantasy stuff, uh, the, just for anybody that's watching and, and listening, uh, the NASCAR playoff points, a lot of the points, the NASCAR cup series playoff drivers, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr. Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, or sorry, Chris Busher, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, Brad Kozlowski, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, <laughs> uh, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kevin Harvick, and uh, Bubba Wallace. Give me what do you give me your top four? Your final okay, race, so, not the champion. Just give me the final oh, race. Final race. Yeah. Okay. Um, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson. I did. I'm on board with William Byron and Martin Truex. I think there's going to be a surprise because 
it isn't about how well you've run all year long. It's about how well you're running right now. Yeah. And who has the most wins in the last five races? Chris Buescher has uh, Chris, three wins in the last five races. Yeah, Chris Buescher. I if if he continues that, if he continues that kind of momentum, Matt, you okay down there? What are you doing? Anyway, if he yeah. continues that, he's going to be uh, he's going to be in the final four. So it's funny that you went that way because I was going to ask right after I listed those drivers, I was going to ask. Who are the first four drivers to be kicked out of the playoffs? I know people want to say Michael McDowell, but I'm not going to say Michael McDowell. Okay. Because he he's he's really good at these tracks in the first round. Like he's got solid top tens in these tracks on the first round. Um, so I'm not going to say McDowell. I say he moves on to the next round. Interesting. Um, I hate to say Chastain, but that team just ain't doing it right now. They've got to turn the corner, otherwise they will be eliminated. You know, these 15th, 18th place finishes are not going to do it. You know, I mean, maybe, they, maybe they've been studying and maybe they've been learning something. And, you know, you, you know, if you're in it already, you kind of try to save your best stuff for the end. So maybe that's their deal. Maybe coming out of Darlington here, they're going to be in the, the top, you know, two or three at Darlington with a chance to win the race. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But. Um, he's got a shot at Phoenix if he can make it all that way because he almost won the race last year. Two hundred and thirty-five feet. Man, uh, if he doesn't turn the corner, Chastain is going to be out the first round. Um, I think Kevin Harvick's going to be out the first round. I think Bubba Wallace is going to be out the first round. Is Talladega in the first round of playoffs? Uh, no. All right, that could be a true story I just made up. Hang on. I can't remember if Talladega is the last race or the first race of the next round. So it goes uh, Darlington, Kansas, Bristol, okay. Texas, and then I just, my throat gurgled. Did you hear that? <laughs> I just okay. take them out. So dude. we have Darlington, <laughs> Bristol, and Kansas. Kansas is a really yes. good chance for somebody like Tyler Reddick. And Bubba Wallace. Yes. I just, I don't think Bubba Wallace is going to do too good at Darlington. No. And he could do okay at Bristol, but I don't see him finishing above 12th. So he's got to do really good at Kansas to make it through. Tyler Reddick, I could see doing good at all three of those. Uh, Chris Buescher won Bristol last year. Yes. And, you know, I can see him having solid top, Top tens, top fives, all the way through that. If he doesn't win one of them, Brad Keselowski, he's on the fence. Like it's going to come down to Chastain, Harvick, Keselowski, and Bubba Wallace to me. That's my personal opinion. Keselowski, I'm iffy about. I think that somebody else will probably get knocked out above him, but I don't. And I, you know what? I don't see Kyle Larson going to the final four. Interesting. Okay. I mean, well, what's he done lately? Right. You, you got to look at who's hot now. You know, it's, it's Chris Buescher. It's uh, William Byron's been consistent all year long. Martin Truex has really been coming on right here at the end of the year. Hamlin's so hit and miss, too. 
I mean, he can't yeah. have days like he did at Daytona. So I don't know who you, I don't trust any Penske driver at all. I don't. I'm, nope. I guess of all of those, I guess I would put Hamlin in over Larson, but I don't know. I'm kind of hoping Kyle Busch gets on a tear and does something at the end of it because he's, he's like the one person you forget that's even in it right now. And that's right. crazy because he's won three times this year. So my uh, first four drivers that's going to be out of the playoffs goes Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ross Chastain. I didn't think uh, I remember Stenhouse. Yeah, put Stenhouse over Keselowski for me. Yeah, so I think there's, I think there's what three sleepers right off the top of my head. That's Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Chris Bush. Uh, Chris Busher. Now I. I say sleepers, right? Chris Buescher has won three out of the last I, five yeah, races. I don't see, I don't see him as a sleeper anymore. I see him as somebody you better pay attention to. So I'm, I'm borderline. I'm right, right there, right? I mean, anybody could win Talladega. So if he makes it, which he should, he should easily make it to the next round, mm-hmm. uh, unless he just has three DNFs right in a row. Um, I don't know. It's just, oh, this is why I love NASCAR. Like literally, we have. 16 drivers who could legitimately have a fantastic next three weeks and they could, you know, move on in the playoffs. Now, let me ask you this is 16 playoff drivers too many? No, no, I think they got the right. What, what they're doing now is right. If they're going to do a playoff format, I like the elimination of what they have and they're eliminating like four every round. I mean, it's nice and even. I like that. Okay. If they're going to do what they're doing, I mean, just keep it the way that they have it right now. I don't think they need to change much of anything. And you do get rewarded for more, uh, for better performances through the year because you get stage points, playoff points, all that accumulates. And when the rounds reset, you get that advantage because of how well you perform through the year. You get the seeding, basically. You know, like, like you would, like the top team going into the playoffs in football, they get the bye week. You know, it's like pretty much every round you get a leg up because you did better through the year than everybody else did. Yeah. And uh, another little cool fact is that this season, the playoffs have 10 Cup Series teams in the playoffs, which is the most in NASCAR history. You have Hendrick, Joe Gibbs, RCR, uh, RFK, Trackhouse, 2311, Front Row Racing, or Front Row Motorsports, whatever, Team Penske, uh, JTG Doherty and Stuart Haas racing. Mm-hmm. That's unreal. Yeah. 10 different teams is awesome. Yeah. There's only a couple of duplicates in there. I mean, there's six yeah. other spots there. So that's really cool. And both RFK made it. How about that? Uh, unreal. Yeah. The, the whole thing I keep saying, Oh, Ford's back. Ford's back. They're not. RFK's doing really yeah. good. They're, they're, they're hitting their stride. And yes, uh, McDowell's won a race in between their two, but that's like you five know, five straight for Ford, isn't it? Four or five? Yeah. So this time last season, Brad Keselowski was twenty eighth in the point standings. Mm-hmm. Now this year, he's fifth. Well, this time last year, Chris Buescher he didn't have a he didn't have a win in that seventeen car. Now he's got four. Yeah, that's <laughs> unreal. That's so. I mean, that's. Awesome. I'm so happy to see that. Uh yeah. It's it's been a really, really interesting regular season. Um 
and also it shows that when I introduced the double points idea, I wasn't trying, like I wasn't showing any bias towards me because I sure as heck didn't benefit from that double points. I only uh, hurt myself <laughs> very badly suggesting double points. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm very happy because I went from, I think, uh, what, 11th all the way to 6th or something like that. So I was very happy with it. There's a lot of shifting, a lot of shifting in the points. Yes. And uh, we had a winner too, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, I was nice enough to push Tim <laughs> to a win. So Tim wins the the Haley uh, Haley Deegan, right? I think it was the yeah, Haley Deegan diecast. Haley Deegan diecast, yes. Uh, man, like how wild is that though? Let me grab over. Let me swipe over to our fantasy. Where is yeah, it? I only have about. We might as, we might as well go run down through it right now. Whenever you find so, it. Yeah, I only have about 14 <laughs> pages of in marble stuff I have to shift through. So, yeah. And another big topic that we're kind of skimming over is Justin took over the race or uh, the point standings lead again. Yeah, by I, a lot. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, when it comes to points, he kind of put it on us, right? He opened that lead up to 64 points over Matt. Jessica has slid her way up to third. Uh, only 104 points back, which is unreal to me. Uh, taking over Drewy two-time. Drewy two-time has slipped back to fourth. Nicole is fifth. I have jumped all the way up to sixth. Brock is seventh. Tim, now with four wins, unbelievable, has made his way up into the top ten uh, with four wins. And let me just stop right there for a second. Uh, Tim, last week, got a... Uh, DNP did not pick because of the hurricane he was experiencing. He didn't get his picking in on time. I wish there was something we could do, but you know, we can't bend rules. So he got zero points two weeks ago, comes back on double point race, wins it. So he didn't lose nothing. He, I mean, he got zero points, you know, and then he got a hundred points. So he doubled his points. Unreal. Just, uh, great timing for that win for his fourth win of the season. Uh, RJ ninth, Billy is 10th. John is 11th. Josh is 12th, which shout out to Josh. He just found my, uh, the wave. What is it? Wave four, uh, Kyle Bush, NASCAR authentic. The, Oh gosh, the, the second number eight diecast. Oh, anyways. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. So do you are, all the way down to 13th. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, you're still 14th. Uh, Joe is 15th. Jody, the Canadian, is 16th. And Ryan is still holding down the four at 17th. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to keep picking guys as I see them and just hope for the best because uh, I have a feeling I'm not winning the championship this year. <laughs> well, just try to win the prize. I'm not. I am simply, I have given up on the championship. I am just trying to win, win races just to give me an, you know, an excuse to buy more diecast cars. Um, but one thing that, you know, it's really cool to see like RFK, um, you know, have the success that they have. But, you know, we also had some sad news with GMS in the truck series. Um, I know Ryan Bollinger, he, like there uh, there's a couple people that don't understand that there's like 
other series. Well, they do understand, but they just don't like get it. So there's the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and then the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, so the Truck Series, uh, one of the bigger teams, I think they just won a championship last year, didn't they? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I don't follow the truck. In roads, I believe. I don't, I don't follow the truck uh, that hard. So let me pull it up. Uh, no, I don't think that's right. Uh, ben Rhodes is, does not race for GMS. Anyways, so GMS, uh, just going to spot over it really fast, is a truck series that has uh, Grant Enfinger, Raja Karuth, and Daniel Daniel Die. Those three drivers race for GMS. GMS came out with a statement saying this morning, GMS uh, racing officials announced that it will cease operations at the conclusion of the 2023 race season. Um, GMS fabrication, a, se- a separate, uh, dude, I don't know why I can't talk today. <laughs> a separate entity, which is operated alongside the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race team will also close its doors following the championship race at Phoenix Raceway. So there's three spots right there. You know, are we going to see Raja come up to Xfinity? Are we going to see Daniel Dye go to Xfinity? KBM, because it's a Chevy team, like maybe KM, uh, KBM can grab some of these guys. But either way, it's a really sad situation. Uh, I actually like watching GMS race. Grant Infinger obviously uh, won at Kansas, and we got to watch him win that race. But speaking of KBM, this past weekend in the truck series at Milwaukee, Tom Bush spotted for Chase Purdy finishing sixth. I think it was sixth. Um, Tom Bush, obviously the father of Kyle Bush and Kurt Bush. Um, really cool to see that. I mean, oh, that was so cool. And the fact that they got a you know really good finish. Uh, speaking of Kurt Bush, he announced that he is officially retired from the NASCAR Cup Series racing. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, you kind of figure, right? I didn't yeah. think we'd see him back. I know he wanted to be back, but I really didn't think we'd see it. So, I mean, just you figured the way everything went out. I mean, you just kind of figured that's how it would how it would be. It makes so I can officially say that I was there to watch Kurt Busch's final Cup Series win at Kansas Speedway, spring of twenty twenty two. That's Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not cool that he's retiring, but it's cool that I, I, yeah, I don't got to get say his last many, win. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't get very many wins like that in my life. So just to say, like, hey, I was there and I was live in person and color to watch Kurt Bush's final Cup Series win. And it was so special because he wanted it so bad. You could tell he wanted it so bad all during the race. And the celebration afterwards was fantastic. So very cool to see that. Uh, speaking of 2311, what are you hearing rumors that 2311 racing might be going to Ford's? Yeah, I've heard um, them talking with Ford. I don't know if they're going to Ford or not, but I definitely heard that they're talking with them just because contracts aren't getting done. It's yeah. September now. We got to get these things locked down for next year. And if not, I'm sure Ford would be happy. Happy to have you. Uh, what is that? I mean, gosh, that means so- Hamlin's probably not coming back to Gibbs. Do you think so? It it doesn't sound like it's even it. It's the same stuff we heard last year. It is. And I mean, if he doesn't come back to Gibbs, where's he going to go? He's got a team. I mean, I know he said he didn't want to do that, but if he's not going back to Gibbs, and right now he didn't really have a choice. He can. He's his own boss. He can make up his own contract. 
it's really interesting to think about that. Like I cannot visualize Denny Hamlin racing a Ford. I, I don't know. I just, I can't see that, but I think, I don't know. I, I feel like this is way different than the Kyle Busch situation. Uh, in so many different ways. I I don't know. I, I think everything is going to be fine. I think here in the next couple of days, maybe a week or so, we're going to see the announcement. Danny Hamlin returns to the 11 team or the, the 11 car. 2311 is still going to be with Toyota. Um, but leave it to a jack wagon like uh, David Wilson to really screw something good up, you know? Um, but I mean, who knows? I couldn't visualize Kyle Busch going to a Chevy and boom, here we are starting the playoffs. He has three wins and a Chevy. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't have a dog in the fight in that conversation. Like I don't really care. Like Diddy Hamlin's not my guy. 2311 is not my team. Um, I drive a Toyota, but like <laughs> that means literally means nothing. So I don't uh, know. I just, this is what I think about the manufacturer thing. None of that matters. None of it matters at all. You, they only drive for things that they only drive for the manufacturer that pays them the most. I mean, you can say all day long, it's like, oh, I can never see Denny Hamlin driving anything other than a Toyota. He drove a Chevy when he started. They weren't Toyotas when he started. True. Yeah. And I mean, Richard Petty drove a Ford. Do you remember Richard Petty driving a Ford? He drove a Torino when Plymouth said, we're not going to put anything out like the Dodge Charger Daytona has. Petty said, well, I need something that can compete with that. And they said, well, you're going to drive what we tell you to drive. He's like, no, I'm going to Ford because Ford has something I compete with. So he went to Ford. He drove a Torino until they come out with a Superbird. And Jimmy Johnson is going to drive a Toyota next year. Oh, that's wild to me. Like that. I mean, I don't know. Jeff like- Gordon drove a Ford before he went to Hendrick. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all over the place, man. I mean, I just don't, the only, the only team, I mean, Grant Hendrick, Hendrick and Roush are like the biggest teams that just straight up stuck with what they got. As far as Chevy and Ford, they, they just stuck with what they got the whole time. But the drivers, they just, even most teams, they don't even care. They just go to whatever manufacturer pays them most. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you you see what I'm saying? Penske, Penske was, Pontiac and then they're Ford and then they're Dodge and then they're Pontiac again. They're not Pontiac again, but they're like, uh, they're Ford again. I'm shocked that Penske hasn't run Chevrolet's. Yeah. You know, just what's they're all over the place. They just, yeah, there's only two teams that I've seen that are really strict in what they, what they do. And that's, that's because they're implanted in that, that brand. You know, like Dutton Roush yeah. have like a contract with Fords and you have like Roush Mustangs and stuff. And Hendrick owns Chevrolet dealerships. Right. So, I mean, that's the only ones I see with the drivers themselves. They don't care. Right. I, that's just my personal opinion. I don't know. I see it. You see too much change to where all of a sudden you take one hat off, put another one hat on, another hat on now. Um, all Chevy. Uh, I mean, you were all Toyota last year and the 10 years before that. So yeah, it doesn't matter. That's just me. It doesn't matter. I don't, I, I don't know why, but I feel like toy, um, 2311 would go to Chevy before they would go to Ford. It depends on who pays on most. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's true. And it sounds like Ford needs all the help they can get right now. Uh, not RFK because they're, they're, they're going to take that Penske money away. 
Penske got a Toyota. My goodness, could you? That's Penske run Chevy. What does Penske run in um, Indy? Chevy. Why don't they run Chevy in NASCAR too? Well, because I don't know. Let me. I feel like I feel like they're going to need to do something soon because Ford's not going. Ford's not going to keep backing them. They they are dropped in performance this year. When they have all these I other guess, teams, they have all these shiny new toys we were talking about the other day. I mean, yeah, they they better figure something out. They might be calling Chevy. If they see twenty three eleven is going to change the fours, I bet they call Chevy. Yeah, I mean, speaking of people calling Chevy, uh, how about Chevy calling Carson Hosovar? Carson Hosovar will race uh, this weekend at Darlington, the forty two for Legacy Motor Club. Uh, what do you shame well, is a bad I think, car? You know, I know, but like, I mean, he did really well at Gateway when he was racing the 77, the, the seven, right? Or was it it's no, Corey it LaJoy the, seven, wasn't it? Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, it was the seven. Um, because he I mean, went he and ran really, nine, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which amounted to nothing. Uh, but Carson was doing really, really well for himself. I think he was like 13th or something when he had the brake failure. Oh, he was, yeah, he was going through the field too. I mean, he was mowing them down. He really was. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like that seven car is better equipment than the 42 right now. I mean, yeah, yeah, I show, agree with that. Show me where I would be wrong, right? I mean, what has the 42 done that the seven hasn't done better this year? So, I mean, I don't know. I kind of yeah, feel like the, I feel like the seven was better equipment than the forty-two. I feel like he's not getting the gun. He's not going to get a fair shake in the forty-two. But that petty team legacy, it does pretty well at Darlington. Yeah. So, I mean, didn't Eric Jones just win that race last year? Who? Wait, who was it? Didn't Eric Jones win Darlington last year? He did. Yes, he did. So, I mean, they're the only, I mean, there's only a couple people that, a couple teams that actually won Darlington in this new car, and he's on one of them that has. Granted, Eric Jones in the 43 would not have won that race if Kyle Busch wouldn't have blown his motor during a caution flag. You got to finish. Um, I, I, don't <laughs> me. Uh, um, no, I have. One thing that I, I was really excited when I read uh, earlier this week was, according to Jeff Gluck, NASCAR and Netflix announced a docu-series for the playoffs that will premiere early of 2024. And some of the ex, ex, uh, God, exclusive thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Exclusive producers on the list include Ben Kennedy, uh, NASCAR whatever he whatever his position is and dale earnhardt jr says that they will release five episodes of 45 minutes each and the rest of that i don't need so unless you want to know who's making it like no it's our studios uh but i'm really excited about that yeah i don't remember what came out of that whole series last year didn't they have what, like what was it called drive i remember watching a couple of episodes of it but what came out of that did like did it finish all the way to the conclusion? I don't even know. Wasn't it uh, just based around uh, Bubba Wallace? I don't remember. I thought I thought there was I thought there was a whole playoff scenario with it. Uh, I think it was just 
uh, or I'm sorry, it was I think it was called Race, and it was just simply all around bubble. Water. I swear these these titles are so inspiring. Oh, so dry. Well, I don't race think were... or what? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think it'll be kind of fun to kind of see, you know, kind of inside baseball a little bit on playoffs, especially this because there's so many unknown factors in this season's playoff uh, drivers list. Like it's so much. I I don't know. I love racing. I love NASCAR. This is, I want to know like everything. Like I want to know the inside secrets and stuff like, you know, like total, what is it? Total Bellas or total divas or whatever it was like how they would do like backstage with WWE events and stuff. And you see like some, wrestlers like walking around like i find that so fascinating so kind of getting a glimpse behind closed doors when it comes to nascar especially during the playoffs this season is going to be really fun as long as it's not fake you know because a lot of stuff that you that you see on these reality shows like that they're staged for the camera but when you get actual conflict or you get actual um desperation when it comes to a sporting event or something like that, that's when it's the most interesting to me, you know, like, uh, like if if the Chastain things happened earlier this year, like the fight with no aggression stuff, if you had cameras following that whole story around and you had cameras right there, like following, you know, Noah and following Ross and all that happened and, and they had camera right there in their face. And then you had them, being filmed walking off and not wanting to talk to the camera, but they're talking to all these other people and people are trying to give them advice on how to handle it and stuff. And that would be so interesting to watch. But if it was like a staged, Oh, we're going to go to the sponsor meet and we're going to ride a mechanical bull or something, whatever, you know, who cares? I don't want to see that kind of stuff. You want to see like the, you you know what I'm talking about? You want to see the, the actual things going on at the track, like you said, but that total divas and total Bella stuff. That was a lot of that was so, so put together for the show. Oh, well, I wasn't watching the, the show for the <laughs> drama of it. I was just like, oh, look, there's the Miz walking around backstage. I, I <laughs> thought you were going a different direction with that. I really did. Oh, tell me. No, that's fine. Um, okay. Okay. We got one more news item, right? Because we need to take a break. Um, yes. We got we have one. Matt DiBenedetto. Which is. How about Drew? Saying that name perfectly last two weeks ago now, maybe a week and a half ago now. Yeah, how about that? There's a few of us Matt that can do it. What'd you call him? Matt DeBito? No, no. <laughs> no, well, you made me nervous. <laughs> Hang on, let me try again. <clears throat> All right, guys, so we have a, one more final news article. So, Matt DeBito, no. what are you talking about? What am I doing wrong? Matt DeBito, well, he even Drew even pronounced it differently than I do, but I pronounce it the same way I hear it on TV. Like he pronounces Di Benedetto. Di Benedetto. Di Benedetto. Di Benedetto. That's what I heard. That's what I said. He's he's calling it Di Benedetto, and I call it Di Benedetto. So, yeah, it's whatever it is on TV to me. But I mean, he, I mean, he obviously he knew the name from before NASCAR. I've never heard that dang name before NASCAR. So, I have I have no Di Benedettos in my life. I know I want you to take a stand and I want you to say 
look Drew right in the <laughs> eyes right now and say, Drew, I'm better than you at pronouncing the Benedetto's name. Just just say it just like that. I cannot say that. Because Why? it literally took me writing it out on a piece of paper because I wanted to make sure I was pronouncing his name properly based on how they were saying it. Writing it out, going syllable by syllable, slowly, 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 slowly until I finally got it. And then it would just, it just falls off the tongue. Now, the Benedetto. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you a secret? Hmm. I've known how to say his name the whole time. Have you really? Yes. Okay. Matt De Benedetto. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Matt De Benedetto. It still doesn't sound right. It's like there's a there's it's a just, syllable or two there's in, in the D's that aren't I'm sorry, like Soda. I, <laughs> I got my nose broken in a fist. Fight is that it? Is, is, is it and I, <laughs> I'm very <laughs> I'm very nasally. I'm sorry. The bit ditto. You want me ditto? Your ends of D sound the same. Are you sure? <laughs> I, I'm nasally, bro. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Give me another word. <laughs> Matt and Benedetto. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else. I don't know how else. You want me to spell it? it? Like it I know how to spell uh, yeah, it. Yeah, obviously you spell it. But, uh, I mean, I can't spell it off the top of my head. I have to look at it, but I can spell it. <laughs> I can't ever right. type it. I never type it on Twitter. I have to, yeah. I have to like, search his name. Because I think he calls himself Matty D. Racing or something like that. Because he knows yeah. people can't spell his last name. You know, he's smart like that. He doesn't. His Twitter handle is not Matt Benedetto. You know, it's that's not his Twitter house, like Matty D racing or something. So it's like, well, you know, if he was smart, I would have my Twitter handle or my X handle would have been like my name, like the actual first and last name, because he sucks at driving. So he wouldn't see half of the negativity on social media if he actually put his last name. I disagree with that. <laughs> and you know that you're trying to troll me. That's fine. Um, I hope that he has a good idea what he wants to do next year because he that's a bold move just announcing you're not coming back to the team without anything lined up. Like nothing announced. Yeah. He in his little press release thing, he said he has zero plans for 2024 right now. So I I just I, I mean, hope he I'm, finds something that makes him happy. If it's Xfinity, yeah. I doubt it's going to be cut, but if it's Xfinity, if it's, I mean, if it's staying, if it's another truck ride, if it's just racing a modified with Ryan Newman and Bobby Labonte, I don't care. Laws it, laws it makes him happy because the dude can drive. He drive, he keeps getting put in like this really bad equipment, and he still ends up doing pretty well in it. I mean, he did win a race in this twenty five truck that he's in now, which I think is his, this that team's first win ever. Yeah, and he turned that 95 car into some really strong runs and he did really good in the 21 as well. A lot better than the current driver that they replaced him. Uh, yeah. That the, yeah. the current driver that replaced him, the dude that was upside down in his very first race at Daytona. His name is Harrison Burton. I met him. Yeah. He's not, he's yeah. not as good in that car as the Benedetta was. I, I agree with yeah. that. You know, if I can throw out a suggestion, uh, I work at Walmart, you know, it was either that or only fans. I think I, I, think i chose correctly so i just want to say maddie d bro work at walmart it's a lot of fun sometimes you're just being mean 
No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm being honest. It's just being I mean for the sake of being mean, but he ain't gonna like Walmart. No. He gets paid. He makes a living right now racing a race car. Yeah. I wish I could do that. I oh, mean, more power to I him. To. I I hope he I hope he I hope he's like if he's betting on himself, I hope he wins. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, honestly, absolutely. I I wouldn't mind seeing him full time SRX next season uh i know that's only six and i'm sure it doesn't pay nearly as much but like you were saying wheel and modifieds with ryan newman i think that would be i think that would be right up his alley yeah and he could um he could do some of that he could do the cars late model tour the dale jr thing oh yeah, yeah i mean yeah. he could do a lot of stuff and get his name back out there a little bit you know really show what he can do and at that level he could get top equipment you know i mean it's when you're a when you're a cup guy and a truck winner, and you're coming down to a series like that, you're going to get top equipment just straight up. You're going to get more top equipment than the guy coming up through the ranks will. So maybe he can do some of that, get his name back out there, show everybody, hey, if you put me in some better equipment, I can actually do something. You know, because I'm, I'm doing something with equipment that shouldn't be doing something. Imagine if I was in a, in a Hendrick car or a Gibbs car or something, you know. Right. But I mean, who knows? Maybe Hamlin will move to 2311 next year. John Herman Nemechek will jump in the 11 car instead. And then Matt, Matt DiMedetto will be put back in some really bad equipment at Legacy. Wild. You never know, right? You could see that happen. I mean, you, you could, you could oh totally see that happen. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's spot on. Like, I mean, oh my gosh, that could absolutely happen 100%. It's, it's hilarious. Well, we need to take a break. And, um, before we do, I want to talk about SkinnyMixes.com. I just mentioned earlier all the new pumpkin flavors out there. Uh, go check them out. There's all sorts of stuff for anybody out there. Whether you're an alcoholic or a coffee drinker, you have all sorts of stuff <laughs> that's low-calorie, low-sugar. All these syrups you can add to anything. Even if you're just a water drinker, you can add some flavor to your water. These syrups uh, called Mermaid and Unicorn, I think it's to my wife likes to get all the time, that she likes to add to her water and really flavor her water up. So... Uh, go check them out, skinnymixes.com. If you use code MARBLES at checkout, you get 10% off your first order at skinnymixes.com. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, but come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are The kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.
Hi, I'm AJ. I'm Tyler. And I'm Ryan. And we're Three Brews Podcast. We're a show where us three brothers sit down to talk about brews and everything else. Check out our website, threebrewspodcast.com, and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Okay, so we went through all the news notes. Is there anything else on your agenda you want to talk about today? Um, the, I mean, one thing, but we'll get to that later with uh, the wrestling loss. Oh, yeah, the, the Bray Wyatt stuff. Yeah, that, definitely. We'll talk about Bray Wyatt at the end of the show. We'll do that. Um, we did get a question from Spotify. Oh. And I didn't know you could do that. I just happened to be looking through our episodes on Spotify on my I, on my app because I'm not like signed in as a creator on Spotify because we don't create on Spotify. We create on Podbean and we use Alitu to record all this stuff and we send it to Podbean. Podbean is where we are the creator on the, on the podcast. Spotify is just the place it gets. So I don't have like a creator account on Spotify. But I was going through the episodes and... And I made sure that it was nothing else on here on any other ones, but there was none on the first 69 episodes. But then episode 70, we got a question or a comment oh, actually awesome. from RJ. Oh, RJ. What up, man? That's awesome. Well, is it the same RJ? It's not the same RJ. Oh, no. Okay. RJ messed me up. RJ Bollinger. There's a fourth one. RJ Boylinger. What? That's three Bruce podcast, <laughs> isn't it? AJ or Ryan? I think it's Ryan. RJ. RJ Boylinger. This is a mystery. What if it's like? Does Ryan have a middle name that's J? Let me text him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He just takes everybody. That's I, Ryan J. I don't know if it's RJ. I, it can't be RJ if it's Boylinger, right? It's got to be from the three brews. I mean, it's, it's got to be. Um, but yeah, RJ Bullinger. I assume that's him. I, I assume that's Ryan. It's their long lost brother. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't, whoever this is, we don't know you by the J. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which, which person this is. It, we have an RJ and a Ryan Bullinger, but I don't know about RJ Bullinger. You combine two people together here for us. Uh, wow. It's love the episode. Keep up the great work, guys. And the question for you both if you could choose to be a driver from any race in NASCAR history, what race would it be and why? Oh my God. I, I don't think he's asking us. I think he's wording it a little, little confusingly for what we're looking for. Um, <laughs> he's asking if you could choose to be a driver from any race. He's not asking us what driver we're going to be. I think he's mostly saying if we would. If you could choose to drive in a race, in any race in NASCAR history, uh, throughout the entire, not a future race, any race that you have seen or you know about in NASCAR history, what race would it be and why? You see what I'm saying? If you could oh, choose to drive crazy. in a race in NASCAR history, what do you think? Oh, man. I wish you would have like clued me in because, man, that's, that's a tough one. Well, I can tell um, you one for me. Okay. Um, you know, I'm really old school and I know like even back then they had no, they didn't have any other ideas about stuff. Like you look at, 
you look at pictures now from the 50s, 60s, 70s and how they're just they're jumping around all over the car and they got this big bulky steering wheel racing with no gloves and an open face helmet and just like a mesh window net on the side of them. I mean, there's hardly any roll bars. They didn't know any better. Um, I personally would want to race on the very first Daytona 500 mm. because you're going, that had to be an experience for those guys. You know, you're on that, big massive track going 160 miles an hour flat out yeah. just non-stop there wasn't a caution in the race either by the way if anybody didn't know that that first daytona 500 was caution free yeah like there were wrecks like there were spin outs and stuff like that but it wasn't nothing to throw a caution so they just got on back to the pits and it was attrition and all that kind of stuff because people would you know, blow up their cars because they're following people and they're getting drafted and they didn't know that was a thing back then. So they were overheating their cars. They were running their cars too hard and they blow them up. Hmm. Uh, that would be a heck of a thing to do. The first Daytona 500, 1959. What about you? Uh, man. Okay. So I come at this a little bit differently. So, I'm thinking of it as I'm a NASCAR driver that knows what I know now, right? So obviously Kyle Busch is my guy. So I think I would want to go to and race the 2015 Homestead race. And I would hope that I would finish second to watch because if I was a NASCAR driver, Kyle Busch and I would be best friends. We'd be on first name basis. We'd have each other's phone numbers. You know, he'd come over for dinner sometimes type thing. Uh, total bromance type situation. And I'd want to, <laughs> and I would want to be there present and watch my best friend win his first NASCAR cup series championship. <laughs> there's, um, <clears throat> there's a few different ways you can go through it. Like, yeah, you're, you're wanting to be in the same race as someone, as yeah. someone that you want to win the championship is in. And it was winning yeah. the championship that day. And I'm looking at it. Like I want to be in the very first ever of something that had never been done before. Yeah. Not necessarily, not necessarily winning the race. I'm not ever putting myself in the position to win these races. I just want to be there in the race involved. And another one that just came to my head is the 1992 Hooters 500. Oh, that's a good one too. Because yeah. that was the King's last race and Jeff Gordon's first race. So in that field, you will be racing against Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt. The only time that had that combo has ever happened in the history of NASCAR. Yeah. Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon. That's it. You'll be racing against Bill Elliott. You'll be racing against Rusty Wallace and Alan Kowicki and Davey Allison. Yeah. What a lineup. Mark Martin's there. You know, you, there's so, so much going on in that race. To be in that field and to be in that footnote of history like that, that's literally a complete changing of an era in nascar if there is ever a race in the history of nascar that defined an era change it is that race the 1992 hooters 500 atlanta the season finale in 1992 and be neat to be part of the end of an era and the start of a new one in one race 
I mean, you can't really, you can't really argue that. That's that's actually a really fantastic answer, and I like yours a lot more than mine. Um, I'm trying to like be realistic about it. That is honestly probably the, one of the better, like probably one of the best questions I have ever been asked. Um, kudos to you, RJ, whoever you are. <laughs> uh, glad that you're listening. Glad you're enjoying the show. I don't know, man. That's a like because I think okay, um, 2002 or what 20 2003 Darlington with Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven, just to be in that. Uh, the 1979 Daytona 500 with the the fight, you know, <sighs> man, there's just so many. You know, I would yeah. love to be you know racing at Bristol like a Bristol night race, but or like a Talladega. Like that was the first thing I thought of was Talladega, but I would not. Let me just say, okay, I would want to go race at Talladega. Um, yeah, just because that was another answer not, for me at Talladega too. But go ahead. Yeah, I would definitely not go up. I would just stay on that yellow line <laughs> all race long because I am not going towards the wall. I am not going to be stuck in three wide situation. Uh, don't even worry about it, Spotter. Just tell me when they're about to hit me and you know behind and just just chill. Like I don't know. <laughs> I just. That's a really good question, I, but I would definitely say Talladega. I think that would be one race that I would definitely well, want to race in. My ultimate goal in racing was to race at least an ARCA race at Talladega. When I started racing, that was my ultimate goal. It didn't happen. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to buy myself an ARCA car, and I'm going to Talladega to race, but yeah. it's not happening. So, um, That was my ultimate goal, but... My other answer, I just I just thought about the 92 Hooters 500, but my other answer, other than the 500 at Daytona, was going to be the 1987 spring race at Talladega. That is that race that Bobby Allison flew into the catch fence, and yeah. Davey Allison won. I say that race because that is the last true uh, 212, 213-mile-an-hour Talladega race. That mm -hmm. was when, that was before, that was as fast as they were going before people got scared of going that fast. And what a thing to experience in those cars at that time. 212 miles an hour at Talladega. Unreal. And nobody, nobody today has experienced it. No way. No, nobody racing today in NASCAR has experienced that. So it had been, been neat to experience it. That's it. Um, but speaking of Talladega, uh, Jody wanted me, he messaged me individually uh, on Facebook and he wanted me to go into uh, a little bit of stories about uh, the time that I actually got to drive a NASCAR at Talladega. He wanted me to talk about that for a little bit, if you don't mind. Oh, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that whole deal happened when uh, I think it was a Christmas present from uh, I think a, a few people in my family got together with that. I think it was mostly my mom and my wife, but they got together with that and bought me a Dale Jarrett uh, racing experience thing. It's Petty has something similar to that. And I think now Rusty Wallace has something similar to that. And I think NASCAR actually owns something now where you can drive, you know, NASCAR style race cars around some of these various NASCAR tracks and stuff like that. But uh, back then it was 2008. Um, it was the Dale Jarrett racing experience. And 
it was the old, uh, it was before the COTs. So it was that type of car that they ran then. That um, uh, Twisted Sister kind of car. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the mid 2000, like 2005, 2006, stuff like that. So there were several of those cars there. And there were some cars that were painted up like actual race cars. There was a, there was a Rusty Wallace car there. I really wish I could have drove. There was a, a bunch, like a few Aaron's cars. There was, uh, I'm pretty sure there was at least one UPS 88 there. <laughs> I mean, probably paying just like the one that I saw him win at in his last race. You saw Kurt Busch win his last race. I got, I got to see Dale Jarrett win his last race live. You know, that's, that's, awesome. that's really, really cool when you get to see that. And uh, we all knew it was going to be his last race, too. You had no idea, but we knew that was going to be his last win because he hadn't won in a long time before that. But we got there, and uh, what's funny is the night before we were going, we went to uh, eat at a Chinese restaurant, and I had a fortune cookie. I popped it up and it said, you will soon have a four-wheeled adventure. <laughs> Uh, oh, wow. I'll never forget that. I thought that was the funniest thing. Um, but we drove up there. It takes about four hours to drive to Talladega from where I live. And it was a really, really cold February morning. And not 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 really hazy, maybe a little bit hazy, but it was just cold. And which is it's not, usually not that bad in Alabama in February. Like sometimes it can be, but. A lot of times you're looking at 50s and stuff. This was like a 30s cold, cold February here. And it was kind of miserable for the most part, because especially for my family, they had to sit on like top of a, a, a stand in the infield to watch me and record me. And they were up there in the wind. I was in a stock car. I didn't care. But so we had the um, we all got fitted for driver's uniforms, which were silver and black. And we went through like a, uh, you should say like a driver's meeting kind of thing. You know, a bunch of people. I think we had groups of people and we, in the group I was in, uh, you got to pay for different experiences. Some people got to uh, uh, ride along. Some people got to drive with an instructor beside them for like five laps. Some people got to uh, be out there for a lot more than that, uh, driving by themselves behind an instructor you know, you pay for different experiences like that. You never, you, there is not a pay package in the Del, Del Jet racing experience that I'm aware of that you can just grab a car and go. You know, there's, there's, this is not there. But um, the cars were not governed either. Petty, they govern their cars. That was one of the driving forces behind uh, my family getting the Del Jarrett one because the cars were not governed. They were full-fledged former race NASCAR. You know, you you put your foot on the floor, it was going to go 200 miles an hour. <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, Petty, you put your foot on the floor, they'll go 170. You know, they're, they're restricted. They really are restricted. But not the Del, Jar not the Del Jarrett ones. And um, I, I can tell that because I drove the car. I know what I was doing with the throttle. You know, uh, I knew that I was controlling how fast this thing was going because the instructor was telling me to speed up or slow down based on how fast I was actually going. And uh, well, we got our driver's meeting done. Then it was just kind of waiting on the behind the wall, the pit road. And I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was absolutely nervous about it. 
I think I don't, I don't think I talked to anybody for like the hour leading up to it, just in my own head about it. You know, cause I'm like, mostly I just didn't want to look like an idiot. Like I wasn't scared of it by any means. I just didn't want to look like an idiot because this is something I'd always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to race a car at Talladega. I wasn't racing, but I saw how fast people were going. They were going, everybody out there was going 170 when they did it. So I was going to go at least 170. And I'd never done anything that fast. The fastest I think I'd ever been up to that point, maybe been in a race car was only like 85 or 90, you know, on a dirt track car. I'd, yeah. I'd never broke a hundred on a racetrack. I don't, I don't even know if by then I had broke a hundred on a street car, you know, and now I'm going to drive 170 at Talladega. So I got into the car and it was already cranked. And the guy next to me, I think his name was Lane Hawk, which is an awesome name. But he's yeah. a dirt track modified driver that raced uh, some late models and stuff. He was also trying to come up through the ranks. And I don't think he got very far with it, but he got a little little bit of notoriety. You know, like he, he progressed a little bit, but he didn't get to where he wanted to go. I'm sure he didn't. But... We got in the car and he, I, he uh, introduced himself to me and here I am. I'm like all in, in my own head with it. Right. And the whole deal with the car is we are responsible for getting the car pit road. We're stopped on pit road. So we clutch shift all that stuff. And we shift into the next gear. We shift into the next gear. We shifted all the way up the fourth out there on the track. So if you screw up, and you kill the car, you're the one that looks like an idiot. You know? So, every driver's out there doing their own thing like that. And he's just there, basically, to instruct me on how he wants me to go about the racetrack. He doesn't have any pedals. He doesn't have a steering wheel. He's just there as support, basically. You know, giving me direction. But they told us in the meeting to stay. Talladega has these white marks are all the way around the racetrack. Uh, signifying lanes. They really don't use them for lanes, but they're lanes on the track. You have a full inside lane, you have two lanes in the middle, and you have a full outside lane designated by white white stripes. They told us to stay off the bottom lane. So run one lane up, but stay off the top lane. So run one lane down. So there's two lanes right there in the middle, and the corners go to the bottom of the uh, second lane, and on the straightaway, go to the top of the, the third lane. So you're bumping between those two lanes and the corners and, stuff and all that. So you're not just running one lane through the corners. You're actually kind of arcing the corner a little bit and then coming back out towards the wall on the straightaway. And you're doing that through trial too. And I, other, I, the experience of it is something else. Because when we started going, I didn't feel the speed necessarily because it's Talladega and all those drivers can say, well, you can, a trained monkey can drive a car by itself at Talladega. You know, it's all up to the car, whether or not it's going to go fast enough. There's not much the driver can do. You know, he's just, it's boring. They say qualifying at Talladega is boring because all you're doing is holding the, holding the throttle down. And you're just hitting your line because there's nothing to it. But I didn't feel the speed until I got to the corner of it. Even at 170, oh, I think I got 172 or 173. Um, even at 
that speed, when I hit the corner, you would think, I think I've talked about this before. You would think that when you're hitting a corner that sharp, that fast, that your body will want to go to the passenger seat. But yeah. with that banking, you don't go to the passenger seat. You go straight down into your seat. So all of a sudden, I'm probably shrunk about five or six inches in the car, as opposed to where my head was initially. And I'm, you know, it's it's got that, uh, I guess it had power steering back then. They didn't have that companion. But I feel the track and all the grip that the car has you know, in the corner. And when you go on the straightaway, you move it back up to the, the top lane and you can sit up, relax your hands a little bit, you know, because you're here you go. You're about to go back in the next corner and then you grip it and just, just the whole wheel shaking as you're going, you know, it just, it's a heck of an experience. The whole time you're doing that, you're being playing the seat too. And I can imagine it's even more than that when these guys are going 190, 195. And now all of a sudden they got three cars around them in all directions. Oh. I can't imagine that. That must be a heck of an experience. But I got to do four laps at speed like that. And when we crossed us, our finish on the last one, he reached over and flipped the car off. Or I think he popped that out of gear is what he did. And we were just idle like they used to do in qualifying, where they would just shut the car off and just have it coast all the way back to the, the pit. So that's what we did. We just coasted all the way back to the pit. But now I can hear him talking. And we're on the back straightway. You can actually hear it. There's a VHS too of uh, when when we did this. I have it somewhere. But now we're talking. I'm talking to now because it's all over now. Now I'm talkative. There's a, adrenaline's there. And the dude uh, Lane, he's like, "Man, I'm ready to go some more. That was really good. You got you you actually had good car control. Like you had smooth steering. You, we don't get that that often out here." And I was like, "Oh, I race. I actually do race." Um, like I hope, I hope I was trying to do it that way. I was trying not to be all over the place. I wanted to at least look like I knew what I was doing. It's like, well, you, you could tell you knew what you were doing. And I wish we could go more, but we can't. You know that kind of thing. I don't know if he was just being facetious or something. I like, I like to think I actually was smooth because I felt like I was being smooth. I didn't feel like I put him in any danger whatsoever because I know. Can you imagine being an instructor? Oh no! Because he's on the passenger side. Can you imagine? going through a corner and the car's like washing up a little bit and the, and the driver trying to catch it up the track oh, at 172 goodness. miles an hour. And you're on that oh. right side. I could not have that job. <laughs> I so could not have that job. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think because we got out of the car too. And it's actually on YouTube. Um, it's a big, long video. And it's got a lot of my family talking to it, talking through it. But if you go to YouTube and type in Dunlap Racing, thank you, Dunlap Racing 53, you'll see some of my old races and stuff, and some of them are not that good, but you'll also see the Talladega experience. And you'll see like an 08, a number 08 NASCAR with probably a picture of me talking to the instructor right outside the uh, car. And he got out of the car when we come back to pit road, and he walked over to me, shook my hand, and we talked for a minute. And I told him, I was like, hey, I'd love to do something like this. Like, my whole goal is to actually go somewhere with racing. He says, well, tell you what, stick around after everything's over with. Go talk to the lady over there in the trailer. Because she's in charge of all this. 
and see if we can't get you on the ground floor with this kind of stuff. And maybe something would come out from that. I was like, you mean I could have a job with racing? Like, even if it's just an experience changing tires or something, or maybe shaking yeah. a car down, warming up the tires while, you know, like whatever. Cause like, wow, one idea. And as I was walking away, one of the crew guys that was like prepping the car for the next person as Lane was going off, to take a break or something. Um, he, he told Lane, he said, uh, Hey man, looks like you might've found you another one. I was like, another one of what? What's he talking about? You know, he's talking about me. Another what prospect. I don't know what he's talking about. Now I'm all excited and stuff, but I stuck around and not, a, not a whole lot came out of that because she didn't really, the person in charge really didn't want to give me the time of day, you know, just kind of like crapped on me a little bit. And I kept messaging her and then it was like, okay, well, I'll give you one chance if you want to, you know, if you want to do something, you can come up here. Uh, I, I think she even said she wasn't going to pay me, but we're going to come up here and you can work with us a little bit up here at Talladega. But that very weekend happened to be weekend. A hurricane was coming through and I couldn't do it. So it just, it never worked out, but you know, that is what it is. Who knows what life would have been like, if, you know, what, it would have been, I mean, it probably wouldn't amount to anything. Right. But it could amount to something who knows, but no, nah, dude, that's, that's fantastic. Like I will never experience that a, cause I will never be able to afford it too. Like I would probably burn the clutch, you know, before <laughs> it even starts. So man, I couldn't even imagine getting up to speed. I think I've only been like a hundred miles an hour, when I was doing a ride along with one of my cop friends and we were chasing someone and then we went like 104, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would do in that type of situation. So the fact that you got to experience that firsthand at 170 miles an hour on an actual NASCAR licensed track at Talladega, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine doing something like that. I know Kansas speedway does that a lot. The ride alongs and stuff. I would love to do that. I just, man, I mean, that's wild. I'm super happy for you. That that video is, like I said, it is on YouTube. If anybody does want to see, it's like an eight-minute long video because it's got my whole run in there taken from the infield from a camera in, nine, in 2008. So, you know, it's not 4K full 1080p HD or nothing like that. You know, it is, it is what it is for 2008. But it also has a very young and fat me on there talking. But, you know, that is what it is, I guess. But, uh, yeah, if anybody does want to see that video, it is at Dunlap Racing 53 on YouTube. That is the account name. And scroll through the videos and you'll find that one. It's the only one that's got a picture of a NASCAR by it. So, you know, if anybody does want to check that out, I mean, that'd be cool. Um, it was a really, really cool experience. It's actually not as expensive as you think it would be. I mean, it's, it's expensive for the amount of time you actually put out there, but that's all of racing. You know, like yeah. we, I thought about it the other day, like, man, we buy this car. Like we, we bought our stinger car for $2,500. Okay. We paid on, we paid this dude like 500 bucks a month for five months during the off season. And we got the car and we went out there and we got, the tires we liked, we got uh, some of my racing equipment we liked. You talk about the helmet, you talk about the suit. Uh, we didn't even have to do any crazy upgrades or anything like that. It just, it was a stock car. 
you know, you, you pay your pit pass entrance and all that. And you, you pay all this money, you pay all this time in, you go out there and you practice for five laps and then they throw the caution. Okay. Now you come in and you change something. You go out there and you run six laps on a half mile track, which is 20 seconds a lap. And you know, your race is over. Okay. Now you start your feature. Your feature is 15 laps long. Usually you know, 15, 16 laps long. There might be a caution or two. You might run 30 minutes. Your grand total of time on that track at 30 minutes is like a long time on the track for a feature. Team. Right. Yeah. Cause they usually want you off the track in 30 minutes. Like they will shorten your race. If it takes 30 minutes to complete it. Like they'll, they'll say, okay, you only completed eight laps. Cause now you guys can drive 30 minutes, white flag next time. by. They do that on short tracks. Yeah. So your grand total of time out there on the track on a long night might, it might be 40 minutes tops. It's usually runs you about 25 minutes total. And you spend, That'd be so awesome. well, you spend all this time and money doing it and you get 25 minutes worth of enjoyment out of it. I, I would do it. Yeah. Everybody, heart. everybody that, that does it, doesn't think about it that way. You know what I mean? They, they think about the actual memories that you make and the experience you have out there on the track. It doesn't matter to the fact that it only took 10 minutes to do, you know, some, I have some amazing experiences with the race with actually in the race car, racing other people and my friends and coming down to the wire and all these crazy finishes that we had and, and these wild races and these, these crazy things happening right in front of me as I'm watching them. And, and I don't think about the fact that that whole experience right there, that whole time in that car only took like eight minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite races ever probably took three minutes tops to do. Cause it was like a six or eight lap heat race. And that's actually on my YouTube channel too. Dunlight racing 53. Um, where it came down to the wire, me and my friend in the silver car and we raced side by side. He was, he, man, he almost had me at the line. He come right. He was right beside me coming to the start finish line. And I beat him by a nose, just barely beat him. And man, that was one of my favorite races because it was just me and him. We pulled away from everybody. Nobody was involved with it whatsoever. I was racing him clean. He was racing me clean. I didn't have to worry about him touching me at all. And he didn't have to worry about me touching him at all. You know, we had that much respect for each other. We knew how we raced each other. And for those three minutes, that was the most fun I've had on the racetrack, but it was only three minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, so if you take that into account, what you're doing, like I think that whole experience cost them five or six hundred bucks, and if you take that whole account to experience, like you're running five laps at 172 miles an hour in a stock car, NASCAR stock car, and a thing that's like run by Dale Jarrett, you know, maybe not him personally, but like it's got his branding on it. That's pretty neat, you know, and probably worth the money if you really break it down like that. So, yeah. But anyway, I know I went really long. My throat is so dry, I can barely speak as it is. <laughs> Let's get some of this. <laughs> no, you're down fine. Coughing. For anybody <clears throat> that is really wanting to watch that uh, Talladega video of sodas, uh, if you go to YouTube and type it, if you're doing it on your phone, go to YouTube, Dunlap Racing 53. Uh, it'll pop up at his channel. You obviously click it. It'll automatically put you on the home so you need to the video that you're looking for for the Talladega is not going to be under the home. It's going to be under videos, and then scroll down, and you're looking for the one that says Kevin Dunlap 
Talladega experience. That's it. There's a picture of a 08 NASCAR with me and a guy talking beside it, I think. Or maybe me yep. getting out of it. it sure I don't is. know if it's either me getting out of it or me talking to the guy. But that's the thumbnail on it. Yeah, I'm, I will be definitely watching that video uh, as soon as we get done here. Uh, before we go really fast, that was an awesome, awesome segment there, dude. Uh, I love listening to that stuff. I would love to do that one day. One day um, maybe. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever happen, but man, that would be really cool. Um, for everyone listening, so this coming week, uh, weekend, I guess we are racing the first race of the NASCAR playoffs, Darlington, Soda, really fast. I know we still got a little bit of Bray Wyatt talk to do really fast, but uh, super fast. What can the the listeners expect watching Darlington this weekend? I think you'll expect the people that you think are going to run up front to actually run up front this week. Yes. You know what I mean? Like now it's getting to where I, I, you kind of hate to say it specifically like that because of who won last year, but right. now it's getting to the point where you got to put up or shut up. Yeah. And you, you better come out the gate strong. And we know Kyle Bush, he came out the gate strong last year in this race, but at the, he didn't finish it strong, you know, and there's, there's something to that. You have to, it's, I don't, honestly, I don't know. We're going to separate the, the pretenders and the players next, you know, the, the, this race, this Sunday at Darlington. Yeah, I, I really think I am. I am super excited about this racetrack. It is one of my absolute favorite racetracks to watch on TV. It's one of the racetracks that I want to visit in person in South Carolina. Definitely. <laughs> I definitely want to go to the Southern 500 once in my life just to say I've done it. Um, Darlington is a very mismatch, uh, miss. What am I trying to say? Mismatch shaped. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's, it's shaped like an egg. It's a, yeah, it's not your typical oval. It's very strategic. You, you <laughs> have to run the wall. Um, clean air is another thing. If you get clean air, uh, it's game over. You're going to have to do one thing. Like, I feel like if you have an opportunity to get clean air and where are you going to find clean air? You're going to find it in the lead in the front of the field. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you have the lead, there's one thing that you can do at that point. There's only one thing that you can do run. <laughs> and when I say run, I mean, legitimately you have to run as, as fast as you possibly can. Um, if so does second, I'm in the lead uh, I'm asking my spotter, where's where's he racing? If he's right up against the wall, I'm going to be right up against the wall too, trying to keep him in my tire marks, right? Uh, it's going to mess up arrows. So, I mean, there's so many factors. And plus, Darlington is notorious for uh, eating your tires. You're going to have tire issues. You might see some engine problems. Uh, you're going to see a lot of people getting what's called Darlington stripes, which is when they kiss the wall they uh, smack the wall a little bit you're gonna see that all day long uh, you're gonna see broken toe links you're gonna see malfunctions it's going to be insane and i love the fact that this is the racetrack that they start the playoffs with because it only gonna it's only gonna get crazier from here you know so uh it's gonna be a really really fun race and i hope it, everybody checks it out uh one of my favorite racetracks. a few quick notes about darlington itself 
because this is probably this track probably has more character than any other track on the schedule period in like all of NASCAR history. This this track is misshaped because there is a minnow pond out. I don't know if it's still there or not, but that was the, the original deal. The guy that owned the land says, sure, you can build a track there, but don't touch my minnow pond. Don't mess with my minnow pond. So they made the track smaller in one end and larger in the other. That's that's it. It's that simple. It's that Southern. <laughs> it's yeah. this is what it is. Um, the Darlington Stripe, that used to be the initial line, how to get around this track the fastest. They used to put, uh, they had guardrail around the outside of the track, not concrete walls. And the teams would actually put, back in the 60s I'm talking about here, they would put two by fours inside the door between the door body and the bars and to strengthen up the right side of the car. So their line was to just run it flat out as best they could anyway around the corners and just ride the wall. That was the line. That was the preferred line. That's everybody had that Darlington stripe on the side of the car. That's why they call it that. Now it's kind of a rite of passage. It isn't a preferred line by any means. And now it's even legal. But, you know, uh, I think Larson tried to do that. He couldn't Chastain it as good as Chastain could. But that used to be the thing. And the track is actually made this way because that banking was supposed to be the runoff. It was not supposed to be the original racetrack. Right. If you watch this track, uh, watch the race Sunday night, you'll see how wide the track is. But they're only running on this little two-lane part on the very top of it by the wall that's not the original racetrack the original racetrack's down on the bottom it's the flat part on the inside that's what they wanted the racetrack and i think what 70 something cars started the very first arlington southern 500 yep. yep and it was won by a dude that rode around the bottom at an average speed of like 50 miles an hour yeah all he did was ride around bottom he never came in for tires he never pitted everybody else kept having to pit he never did he run the whole thing and he just come in to top off fuel, I think. And that was it. You know, he didn't stay in on pit road for anything. He didn't have any mechanical failures and he won the race. I think it took him seven hours, but he won the race. Um, God, was there anything else I want to talk about with Darlington? It's the site of the closest. I don't know if it's still the closest or not, but it's the most exciting finish in NASCAR history. It's a site of some of the most historic moments because this was the ending of the uh, Winston Million promotion where Bill Elliott won it in his first year and Jeff Gordon won it in his last year of existence. Nobody wanted in between them. Um, just so much history. So much history with this track. And it's always fun to watch. Even if the race isn't the most exciting race that year or at that time, it's just it's a fun track to watch because you're not racing anybody else. You're racing the track because as yeah. soon as you mess up and you start worrying about what that car's doing in front of you or the car's doing behind you, you're going to mess up. Ask, ask the best in the business. Didn't Jimmy Johnson wreck out of the lead in one of his last races here? Absolutely. 2000 because he was watching a lap car. Yep. And I know they wanted to blame that on the lap car so bad. no, Johnson wasn't watching the track anymore. Just all of a sudden out of a corner, he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing with the track. He was watching that lap car trying to get around him, trying to get into a spot where he wasn't going to be. Next thing you know, he's spinning off a of turn four and he crashes into a wall. 
Yep. The best in the business. This track will bite you if you don't pay attention to the track itself. So it's always fun to watch. That's that's it. It's just always fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get out of here, we do want to talk about Bray Wyatt's song. Yes. Um, we had we recorded last week, and then the next day, that news broke. And we had uh, we also had a death before that, Terry Funk. And I'm a little young to watch some of his, you know, prime stuff. I saw the Chainsaw Charlie stuff, and and I, I obviously, if you have any respect for the history of everything, you respect, you know, Terry Funk and his accomplishments. For yeah. sure. But yeah. I also know that he was canceling conventions and appearances and stuff towards the end because of health issues. And that's kind of where the writing's on the wall, right? When that starts happening to some of this older talent, you oh, kind yeah. of start to expect it pretty soon. As bad as that is, you're like, well, guy, he's getting on up there in years. You know, this business takes a toll on him and he was wrestling for so long when he probably shouldn't have been. Like, uh, I don't have a good feeling about it. And when I got that, when I heard that news that Terry Funk had died, you're like, man, I hate to see that. That's awful, but it's not unexpected. I, right. Exactly. I expect it. It's like, it's like when you're, it's like when your grandmother dies or something, it's like, man, that's awful. I'm going to laugh's never going to be the same without her, but she's been in bad health for like the last three or four years. Like we all knew it was coming. You know, it's kind of like that. I mean, it's not not on that personal of a level, but it's that same situation. It's it's awful, but it's not unexpected, so it doesn't rock you to your core. The Bray Wyatt news, I wasn't good for two days. Yeah. Like, I'm watching that dang SmackDown, and I'm tearing up twice, at least during that show. I... I just about can't handle something like that. That dude was 36 years old with little kids, like little kids, like kids younger than the kids I have. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, what if I had went at 36 years old? Like my youngest daughter would have just been born. She would never have known me. You know, my, my, my youngest boy would have been five. He barely would have known me. My oldest would have had to tell all the siblings anything about me. Yeah, I can't. That junk messes me up. And that messes me up more than the fact that it's a wrestler that I liked. And I happened to, I was able to meet one day. And, you know, we enjoyed moments like that at WrestleMania, watching him face John Cena. And then uh, he was out there. We, we were at the WrestleMania with my kids. And uh, he was in that battle royal where he helped uh, Matt Hardy win. You know, it, it it goes beyond that kind of stuff. Like, that's sad. But when you start getting to the personal aspects of it all, it's just, it's so unfair. Yeah. It's, man, it's so wild. Like, you're kind of reflect on, Terry Funk. Um, obviously, if he was, if you were too young, I was beyond too young. Um, I don't remember much of Terry Funk. I know he had a late uh, run with, I don't know, Mick Foley or something. Mm-hmm. That's um, not, he was Chainsaw Charlie. 
Yeah. So I don't remember any of that. Uh, I don't remember, I don't remember much at all from Terry Funk. Uh, but you know, when I heard about the Terry Funk situation or the tragedy, I was like, Oh man, that's, that's tough. You know? Cause like, even though I don't, I don't know a Terry Funk, uh, match right off the top of my head. Like I know who the name Terry Funk, like I know what he was known for and the, the, unbelievable abuse to his to his body that he provided for years of entertainment just for us strangers like it's wild uh the bray wyatt thing obviously uh much much different i remember i was literally laying in bed uh after a sh- uh, i just got home from work and i was just kind of taking a second just to kind of like decompress uh and i was laying in bed uh, like and I saw, I actually opened Facebook and I saw Billy, who is in the Marvel's Fantasy Cup participant, and Ryan. Uh, Facebook status is right there, right one on top of the other. And it both said RIP Bray Wyatt. And I was like, what? And I immediately went to like X or whatever you want to call it now. Um, and I, I, I mean, it was, it had to have happened like just, mere minutes because i didn't see anything about bray wyatt's passing at all so i went to google and i typed in bray wyatt's death or you know whatever and i didn't nothing popped up like nothing populated and i remember uh like obviously i I remember because it was just last week uh i commented on ryan's post i was like what are you talking about and he's like triple h's twitter or tweet and i was like what so i immediately went over there and i think it was like I don't know, like five minutes or four minutes after he posted it. And I was like, Whoa. And like, I just started seeing everything. Um, you know, I wasn't like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't like a huge, massive Bray Wyatt fan, but like I can, Oh my God. It just, it took my breath away. And I was like, what on earth? And Jessica came out of the bathroom and I was like, she was like, immediately she was like, are you all right? And I was like, Bray Wyatt died. And she's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no. And I immediately ran to the, my closet that I have my action figures on. And I was like, you know, because I'm not sure if she knows who that is. So I grabbed the fiend, uh, ultimate edition action figure. And I was like, this guy, and she's like, no, I know who Bray Wyatt, I, I know who that is. I know who Bray Wyatt is. She's like, why? And you know, whatever. And I was like, man, that's so weird. And I, it took me, it took me a minute. Like, I mean, the whole next day, the whole, like the rest of the week, it was just weird. And it was like hard, like hard, you know? And I don't know. I just, and it, it was harder when every time you put, like every time you went on social media, you saw like more and more and more tributes. Like even today, like you still see Mm -hmm. people talking about it and it's just a good, you know, a good, good thought that like people are still talking about how good of a person he was um one thing that the reason like i feel like it took me out of, you know kind of took me out for a few minutes was that 3499 days ago <laughs> it was february 1st 2020 uh 2014 uh 7 days before my 20 20th birthday uh i went to my very first wwe event in wichita kansas and it was a live event so like nobody knew the 
the match, you know, the matches. Nobody knew what the card was. Nobody knew who was going to be there. We knew that CM Punk was going to be there, but this is just days prior uh, to him walking out of WWE. And uh, the show started with Seth Rollins and The Shield coming down from the audience and announcing that you have until the second match of the night to get your full refund because CM Punk wasn't going to be there. Uh, and it was a lot of, I mean, the whole, I remember the event, uh, amazingly because it was, I was so in awe at this and like some up and comers like big E Langston performed there. Uh, Alexander Rusev was mm-hmm. there, you know, like nobody even knew who he was <laughs> at that moment. I don't think he even debuted on, uh, WWE yet. Uh, but the main event was, well, I guess like we didn't know anything about the night, but when we, you walked into the arena, you saw this ominous uh, steel cage above the ring. And like, oh my gosh. Like I was so excited. Like it was unreal. I was like, man, my first event and it's a steel cage is up there. Like, wow, this is so wild. And they announced that the main event was Bray, uh, was Daniel Bryan versus Bray White in a steel cage. And the whole night I was on cloud nine. And when it came to the main event, it, you know bray wyatt's music hit and it was as i don't know how to explain it it was for my first event you know ever Mm -hmm. ever being in that situation and it's like you just see like the the music hits and it's just the entire feeling the entire vibe of everyone changed you know, everybody was, oh yeah, this is awesome. You know, and they didn't like just his music. That was probably it. before they were even bringing out their phones because they didn't do that after WrestleMania 30. Oh, no, 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 they did. They did. Everybody got out their phones. And like, I remember like just the feeling of complete ecstasy almost, you know, like a completely like all as close to an outer body experience as I have ever gotten to you know like just looking in the moment like looking around and seeing all these little what you would call fireflies and just seeing the lantern and the slow walk and this just the performance that he did he obviously did the spider walk he did the he just did everything you know and i uh he obviously lost that that match but i remember like it was just unreal completely unreal so um oh man it's just that's so wild and i think scott scott tune says it all the time go out and meet your heroes thankfully you know i've i've been able to meet kyle bush once and i actually <laughs> raced against not me personally but like you know i was on a race team that raced against him two race cars down last december um oh, man like I can't echo that enough, you know, like go meet your heroes. If you have an opportunity to, um, gosh, man, like it's just a simple reminder of how valuable life really can be. And I, I truly hope that, you know, for all of us, if we follow the buzzard, sorry, not follow the buzzard. Like if we follow the fire, the fireflies, I hope it leads us to Bray. The um the entrance you're talking about that's as far as live goes that's probably my favorite memory I have with Bray is oh, because I was at WrestleMania 30 
and that one he fought John Cena, but the entrance he had was by far the best entrance of the night, and oh, yeah. probably one of the best entrances in all of WrestleMania history, if I'm being honest. He had that, because they were in New Orleans, he had the band, and they were all dressed in masks and all this kind of stuff, and they played him live to the ring. Just, man, the vibe, like you said, it's just so, it was so different. And man, he was so over in New Orleans. That was when people started singing, was our trip to New yes. Orleans and Raw the next night when he was in an opening tag match. That's when everybody started singing. And uh, like maybe a, a less than a month after that, they started doing the Firefly thing because they weren't doing that yet at WrestleMania 30. But yeah, to know that I was a part of the crowd that started the whole uh, whole world in his hands sing along thing. Mm, yeah. There's a lot looking back at it now. There's a lot going on on that trip between Ultimate Warrior and Daniel Bryan's win and Bray Wyatt and all that. As far as like his his character really turning the corner. There was a lot going on at WrestleMania 30 that uh, and not to not even mention the Undertaker thing. That oh yeah, yeah, you have to go back and really appreciate with that that whole that whole weekend. But um, yeah, that's probably my favorite memory. I was thinking maybe the Daniel Bryan Cage thing where Daniel Bryan turned on him or turned yeah. on the Wyatt family, and that's a really good TV moment. Like the crowd interaction with that moments, it it defies anything that happens today, and anything that happened probably about ten years before that, but. As far as live goes, that WrestleMania 30 entrance, that's, I mean, he didn't win the match, but the match had a really good story with it, and the entrance was just top-notch. Absolutely top-notch. Yeah. I just realized that the last WWE event I have ever been to was the 2019 TLC pay-per-view in Minneapolis, um, where Bray Wyatt actually defeated The Miz. Uh, and I just thought about that. I was like, man, even though he was in the the red sweatshirt he was you know oh gosh what a performer just <laughs> what a life it's incredible um well i think that's gonna wrap up the show uh if it's okay with you i'd rather not go through all the shout outs i think uh, hour and 56 minutes on my thing over here probably gonna be a little bit less than yeah. that because with editing and stuff but um i think we're just gonna end it right there with some good bray wyatt talk uh Bring it down even more. Dang, Bob Barker died a few days ago too. Just uh it's a, that's a childhood thing right there. If you're home from sick yeah. from school when you when I was a kid, Bob Barker was your babysitter for an hour. You know, nine a.m. Price is right every every day on CBS without fail, five days a week. Um, this has been a rough week, and then not too long before that, we had another rough few days with some other childhood celebrities and stuff that we all knew and you know hopefully it, we turn the corner and things start looking up a little bit and we kind of level off and just give us a break you know yeah <laughs> give everybody a break for a little bit but i think we're going to end the show right there um i want to thank everybody for listening to this week uh we might have rambled a little bit here at the end i hope some of it was in interesting to listen to anyway um, you know where to find our, our t-shirts is a good way to support the show at watermaneuver.net. You know, to go to skinnymixes.com and use the code marbles at checkout and get 10% off your first order. And 
support the support the shows that have commercials with us. I feel like we started something with the commercial thing. <laughs> oh yeah. It's everywhere it now. I love it too. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it was your idea. It yeah. was, yeah. But um yeah, I think we started something. And you know what? That's cool. Everybody's supporting Very each cool. other. That's really cool. And if you didn't hear the commercials, just we we have so many podcast friends. It's it's always fun to listen to Fully Posable and TV Toy Cast and uh, Big Underscore Bane's music, always excellent. Jason Wolf's Chop Shop, all that. Um, stolen gimmicks. Yeah, the, the, like I said, with the commercials, we had Tails and Three Brews and uh, Chair Shot. And uh, they told you all about their stuff. So I hope you listen to their commercials too. Good friends of those. All of the, all, everybody's good friends. And um, it was good hearing doing the favor back with Three Brews this week. Yeah. Uh, kind of bummed that there his fan duel isn't going, but I, I understand it. Let's put everybody into a different one, and we're all just gonna work with the three brews fan duel. I, I get that, no issues with that. And um, looking forward to a bunch of fantasy programs. I know Stolen Gimmicks has got their fantasy football program, it's filled up, and we're part of that. And I got to teach you about football now. <laughs> yeah, you do. I need help. You got to come up with a team name, dude. Oh man, I've been I've been trying so hard. I am the Texan Tornadoes. I think that's a good. Ah, I think that's a good wrestling NFL themed team. I was going Alabama Slammers, but then three of my four, I guess five, if you count the three year old, three of the people in my household, they said Alabama Slammers right off the top of my right off the top of their head, and I said, "Give me a good uh, fantasy football nickname that has to do with wrestling." And they said Alabama Slammers. Every one of them. Okay, well, maybe it's not that original, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> so I try to think of something a little more original. But um, looking forward to that. Looking forward to a good sports season with all our friends, and I'm looking forward to finishing up the fantasy cup with our friends and starting a brand new fantasy cup next year with even more friends. So yes, it's gonna be fun. And uh, before we get out of here, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, just everybody that supports our our show. You know, thank you guys so much. We love everyone. Like we love all of you guys. We are unbelievably thankful and blessed to have you guys in our lives and a part of our journey. But as always, peace, love, and all of the above. And we'll see you next time in the marbles. <laughs> <laughs>